0: Hello, this is Doc Brown speaking to you from the future. I'm here in 2018, where we have a sophisticated new audio platform called Podcasts. It's kind of like the wireless, only nobody gets paid. Uh, Today, I'd like to introduce you to a podcast called Diminishing Returns. It's a show all about films and their sequels. And this week, they're talking about Back to the Future. That's me and Marty. And if my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 minutes, you're gonna see some serious shit. This episode contains spoilers for Back to the Future, Parts 1, 2, and 3. A Fistful of Dollars, The Wild West, Journey to the Center of the Earth, That's a Personal Favorite, and Howard the Duck. I've never even heard of that. Enjoy!
1: Hello and welcome to Diminishing Returns. I'm Alan, I'm here, joined as always by Calvin. Great Scott. And Sol. 1.21, <laughs> general! Yes, we're here via the communication medium of video chat. It is the future, guys. We can see each other as we speak. I'm wearing two ties at once. Um, what, are you <laughs> guys, what have you guys got on? I'm upside down. <laughs> Oh, good. You're bad back playing up again, is it?
2: <laughs> no, I've just been recast. I'm not actually Calvin. Yes. I'm, I'm someone else. <laughs>
1: just make sure we can't see you quite well enough. <laughs> Put some sunglasses on, really.
2: So, why are we looking at Back to the Future this week?
1: Well, Calvin, I'm glad you asked. Uh, basically, about eight months ago, we decided we would let the let the listeners vote uh, to choose uh, what what film we would do. An wasn't, episode. It wasn't meant to
3: be eight months ago, though, was it?
1: Well, due to scheduling conflicts, it got pushed back <laughs> uh, and back. So we had the vote-up on there. Thank you to everyone who voted. Uh, what were the options? I chose the options because technically it was my choice uh, yes. for mm. the episode. We got a
3: good response, actually. Like, mm.
1: And I did. I, I tried to put a nice range of things there. So we had Police Academy, The Matrix, Big Mama's House, and Back to the Future. And um, it looked like Back to the Future was going to be a runaway winner <laughs> until Big Mama's House made a late resurgence. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> very close what, what?
3: <laughs> big mama's house actually won the popular vote but uh, <laughs> we're... D-
1: due to the zoning of the of the voters <laughs> most of big mama's house votes were in one place
3: <laughs> Alan trying to, to subvert the, the will of the people voted about 50 times on the poll <laughs> So I, be- I believe it would let you vote repeatedly
1: well, look, I I saw the system for what it is. I exploited a loophole. That's all.
3: <laughs> we swiftly discounted his. Was it thirty six votes <laughs> no. on the poll? <laughs> no. It and wasn't once it. you remove them from the equation, then uh, Back to the Future was a uh, clear. Back winner. Back to the Future was but... definitely
1: a clear winner. But uh, I mean, if you guys want democracy, you've got it. And what do you get? The most obvious choice. It's Back to the Future. Uh, we haven't tackled this yet, just because. There are no new films coming out with Back to the Future.
3: Bob Gale, I believe he says something to the effect of there will never be a... Or rather, there won't be a fourth one until he and Robert Zemeckis are both dead and buried. Mm. So,
2: But that doesn't stop them from really milking this franchise. There was uh, yeah. a short produced a couple of years ago. What was it? Doc Brown Saves the World or something like that? Where they got Christopher Lloyd back. and It's like an eight minute short... But it it did seem to be. But I think that's a testament to the legacy of
1: these films. So yes, in in the film they travelled to 2015, and it's also very modern and futuristic. And so obviously in 2015 it got a bit of a bit of a resurgence, a bit more attention. Yeah. But it has yeah. always been there. I think it's still one of those big yeah. favorites, a, a
3: well-deserved classic.
2: Mm, mm.
1: And I yeah, I, I remember you've thought that
2: for a while. We normally start these discussions by talking about like when we first came to the film or series and discussion i remember this one quite specifically sol because we were in the first year of university and i hadn't seen any of them before and so you insisted that we would have drinks and have a night marathon of all three back to back
3: yeah and you were there as well alan
1: and you were there and you were there (laughs) (laughs) uh i can't remember was was dan there yeah yeah were we at dan's Um, place
3: no we were at calvin's place because when he went out of the room, we put con. We went in his drawer, found his condoms, and put them on everything. <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, oh, right, I don't remember. That. Yeah, which remember yeah, in, in hindsight seems really mean, but uh, <laughs> that's what we did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't need him.
2: Well, uh, when did you first come to the uh, the film Soul?
3: I basically just had the TV on one day, um, probably about fourteen or something. Uh, I was flicking through the channels and Back to the Future Part 2 was on oh. and it was halfway through the film but something about it must have grabbed my attention.
1: Yeah, great. And what about you, Alan? Uh, I don't remember. I think it's just one of those films I must have seen at some point as a child. Mm-hmm. I don't have any specific memories but when rewatching these this week, yeah, I feel like I've watched these films five or six times, you know? it's yeah. like They're very familiar but I mm-hmm. couldn't tell you any specific time when I watched them. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, I watched them at your house. I can't even remember that. <laughs> I I have no long term memory, so I don't, I can't remember anything.
2: So, um, shall we talk about go through the films and talk about them in broad strokes? I do think that at the at the core of this film, there's a really lovely concept that is: if you were a teenager, you think your parents are really lame and boring, and you go back and then mm. spend time with them when you're when they were your age. I think that's a lovely... And I think that's a concept lacking from the other two films in the series, which we'll get onto later. Um, uh, Now, this screenplay was uh, nominated Mm. for an Oscar. Oh, really?
3: Well, rightly so.
2: And I remember in film school, in one of our writing lectures, we had to read the script, uh, because it is a perfect example of like how to set set well, things up, pay them. I was off.
3: about to say my my big takeaway watching this film again. This film is predominantly just set ups and payoffs all the way through, yes. and yeah. I think that's why it's so satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just wall to wall. Here's a thing. Here's a thing. And then ten minutes later, remember that thing. Here's, here's yeah. it paying off. Yeah, I mean, it's
1: and it's done yeah. well. It's really smooth it's appropriate in in something that is playing with time and is actually going back mm. in time to set things up so they pay off later. Mm. It makes sense like structurally it's it mm. works as a conceit. It's great.
3: I feel like the world is really well built and set up and there's just loads of little bits of character that are all there because they're setting something up later on but when you're watching it it's just kind of like oh you know his uncle Joey's uh, in prison he's you know Joey the jailbird and Little things like that don't feel like a contrived setup, but then obviously he goes 30 years into the past, you see him as a kid, he's, you know, his mum's talking about how they um, just leave him in the crib because he cries whenever they take him out, and mm-hmm. it, suddenly it's like a nice little joke that they've mm-hmm. done, and, and it, the film really is just wall-to-wall that, with a few character arcs <laughs> uh, holding it all up.
4: I
2: bring it up, and I'm, I'm partly being devil's advocate here, but is that the sign of great writing or is that sort of uh, <laughs> of weak writing because you can predict pretty much everything mm. and I don't know how much of this is coming well, back to the film again with this knowledge. Because yeah, like, when the I old mean, woman comes out and she's giving all that exposition about, oh, the clock tower was stopped at yeah. blah 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 it's like, oh, well that's going to come back later. That's obviously... No, I, a...
1: I don't think so. I think that, that woman, the woman there talking, is probably the most egregious example. It but is. But I think, absolutely. generally speaking, it's quite subtle. It's, it's pretty smooth. Yeah, stuff. it is. Mm. And I don't think, certainly on a first watching, I don't think it would uh, hit you too hard.
3: Yeah, yeah. And and, and beyond that, it's, it's, the, it's the level of characterization and the dialogue and everything that goes on top of the, the bones of the plot. Mm. It's all done really well.
2: And I think it marries very well with Robert Zemeckis as a director because I I don't really know how to articulate this and maybe uh, you guys can help me but there's a very uh, mechanical way to the way his camera is positioned the way it moves uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way uh, but there is something very it feels like a blueprint has been worked out and everything is very specifically Mm. placed and I know he's big on his visual effects so maybe that just is part and parcel of working with
1: such things. Well, maybe he's just a very visually-minded person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's how he sees it. That's how he f- he'll create the storyboards and stick to it.
3: Yeah. But how you've described it there, that's almost how I describe how the script's written as well. Um, yeah. And it's not, it's not a bad thing. Mm, mm. We
1: never really establish what the relationship be- between Doc Brown and Marty is. Mm. Mm. And it's not like Marty's like a, a nerdy science kid who's getting you know, working as an assistant at this professor's place to get some experience.
3: Marty is the kind of archetype that set up the 90s and Sonic mm-hmm. the Hedgehog and every character with sunglasses that came <laughs> after <laughs> Bart Simpson and and all these sort of cool guys. He's not quite, like, he's not got the attitude, but he, clearly people saw, oh, this guy's cool. He plays guitar and has yeah, a skateboard. I was, and, I was about and it, to say...
2: I think that the casting of Michael J. Fox is crucial here, because I think on Mm. the page, this could be a very stereotypical cool guy, like someone from a John Hughes movie. But by casting Michael J. Fox, I think... Because he's got a sweetness to him and a bit of a haplessness, a little bit like he's not exactly the most popular guy in school, but he's trying (laughs) really hard. There's a bit of earnestness
1: to him. Yeah. Well, actually, I I want to bring this up because... I'm not that convinced by Michael J. Fox, and I'm definitely not convinced by Crispin Glover. I think he's shit. Oh, what?
3: (laughs) Well, what I want to say about the cast here are that they... Like, these aren't necessarily the best actors in the world. Oh, that that sounds like I'm saying they're bad. They're not, like, a bunch of Oscar-winning type actors. But that's not what this film needs. That's it. They're also... There's so much personality with them. They're so likeable. Mm. They do such a great job. And I, I think this film is so well cast. Uh, like Calvin says, Michael J. Fox in the lead role is is just... He makes the film. So him and Christopher Lloyd.
1: That's it. What Christopher Lloyd doing is not exactly subtle acting. It's all very over-the-top no, stuff. No, but, but completely appropriate for the character and yeah. for the film. Mm. Uh, Michael J. Fox... I don't know. He's just a little bit too simpering. I'm not quite convinced. Um, and I think... And I think part of the problem is that I've seen him in other things and he's just exactly the same in everything. So maybe that's... Oh yeah, them.
3: I mean, well, I've seen Christopher Lloyd in other things and he's exactly the same in everything. <laughs> well, yeah.
1: But I think Leah Thompson's really good. I liked her. Leah Thompson,
3: um, I've seen her in other things and like she's exactly the same as well. She's great. She was in Jaws 3. She was in Howard the Duck. She uh, wow. she she gives Howard the, the Duck a blowjob. <laughs>
1: I think I think problem with Crispin Glover is that I think Crispin Glover's a good actor who's being directed to act m- much more over the top than he would like to do, and he doesn't really know what he's doing.
2: I very much disagree. I think that he's I think he's certainly being let loose to do what he wants to do. But having seen Crispin Glover in a lot of other things, he does have a very. <laughs> uh, Specific performance oh, really? style. I don't think I've
3: seen <laughs> him. <much> else, so. <laughs> I've, se- I've seen him be far more over the top than he is here. I must say <laughs> that whatever that film clip is, that I'm sure I've shown you where he just stomps on a dog. <laughs> <laughs> when I first watched this, I, I do remember thinking, like, what is this guy? Is, is this just, <laughs> is this kind of way of talking? Is that is that just him? And then you you watch clowny clown clown, and you're like, <laughs>
2: okay, so. I don't know if he's sort of like trying to be deliberately subversive, or I, I don't know what it is, but he's certainly the most. I, I think he's
1: broader than Christopher Lloyd, which is saying yeah. something. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's it. Yeah. When he when we go back to the fifties and he's a teenager, it kind of works a bit better. Um, but mm. when he's an adult and he's exactly the same, it's like this doesn't make this doesn't work. It really doesn't. Yeah. Forget. Well, he, yeah. he
3: he when when they go back to the future, and you know he isn't exactly the same at the end of the film. Mm. I think he actually does quite a good job of yeah. modifying his performance to yeah. not be that sort of snivelling um, mm. mm. weakling. So he obviously is, you know, acting. <laughs> um, mm. Well,
1: know. shall I tell you who? Who I love in these in the whole franchise and who makes the franchise for me, Thomas F. Wilson. Yes, yes. As, uh, I wanted to Biff talk about him. He's and all the the different deriv- derivations of it. He's yeah.
3: such an underrated actor, just generally. I mean, not he's not an amazing actor, but just as like, a character performer, actor, yeah, this comedy. Yeah, because yeah. he's he's basically just a jobbing actor. He he does stuff. He turns up in stuff, but is. This is the only real iconic role he's had, and I find that very strange that he's not done more work. I think what he does in these films is phenomenal. He's he's fantastic. He he tailors the performance significantly for each iteration of his character throughout the ages, which I yeah. guess we'll get into more in the sequels. But uh, So, Calvin, what do you think of Thomas F. Wilson?
2: I was just about to say I'm very surprised to hear such... Um... Praise. I mean, I think he's fine. I've got, I've got no strong opinion either way. I think he's a very good villain and foil. But I, mm. yeah, I, I don't know if he stands out as anything too strong or specific. And generally, very good cast. I think I prefer seeing Leah Thompson and Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd on screen. I do really love um, this. The, the town that this is set in, Hill mm. Valley, it mm. uses that very specific um, Universal Studios backlot set. Yeah. And I think that it's the film most uh, identified with that particular set. You see it in plenty of other films around this time. Like, I think it's in The Hills Mm. and Gremlins, Psycho 2. Uh, But I do really love that set. And I do quite like going back to films from around this period and seeing that. And there's just Mm. some kind of, like, old-fashioned, even though this was the 80s, I like the old-fashioned movie-making sense. So there's a back lot and the town hall on it and... We're gonna dress it up for this today, and then tomorrow we're gonna get the gremlins on it, and you know.
3: Well, I, I think there's something to be said for how it's used here specifically because they. My understanding is they built the 1950s version of the set first, oh, and and then shot all of that stuff, and then like degraded it for the most part to make it look older and shitter. So mm, obviously they had to rebuild sense, yeah. parts of it, but yeah, and I I think yeah. that it just it gives it such a great sense of continuity that I, I don't think you would get that in a more conventionally shot film on location and everything. Mm. I, it just feels yeah. like... And also it feels like this mm. little contained ballpark that the, the film's playing in, and it, it continues throughout the trilogy, because mm. they basically mm. never really leave Hill Valley. It's it's all this little town, on for the most part, on this back lot, but they've just... yeah. Built in it to different, yeah, yeah, in different ways, and then ripped it down and built it another way. And
1: it works really well having it kind of a. It's not a small film by any means, but having it kind of secluded into one area because mm. when you're messing about with time as well, you'd like you don't want to bring distance into it as well. It's like we need to have some controlling yeah. factors here. So it's at the school, it's 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 in the town, you know. That's it.
3: Yeah, this is such a sort of broad. Time travel film as well, and, and you know, in the broadest terms, oh, it's a time machine. Whenever someone gets a time machine in a cartoon, you know, it, it generally allows them to teleport as well, even though they don't mention that. Mm. They just be like, "We're going back in time to ancient Egypt and travel across the globe to Egypt while they're at it." But you don't have mm. that here. Hmm. I don't know, I think it it, it means that the focus is on the characters and what's going on with his family, and I I think if it was not done that way, the plot would inevitably turn into, you know, stopping the world being destroyed and... Blah 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 blah. So. Yeah, that's
1: that's that's very true actually, because it, it it is about this personal story of trying to create uh, get his parents together and all that. The time travel isn't the the difficult part; it's getting the car up to speed. That's the problem, or getting it charged yeah. up in the right way. So the restrictions that they have on this time machine are practical ones; they're not sort of theoretical ones about time travel. And That's great. It just means. They're back in time, but like they have time travel, but it's not free and easy. And then there's there's these restrictions on them, and that's mm. what causes the the friction. Other, because otherwise, you just go, oh shit, we fucked this up. Let's just go back five minutes and stop ourselves from fucking this up.
2: Can we talk about um, the DeLorean itself? Because it's yes. it's a very important piece of uh, these films. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not a car person. From what I understand, DeLoreans are kind of shit (laughs) really but the the time machine in these films looks so cool i think it's i think it's awesome
3: the 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 thing is that it was a delorean in the film because they were a bit of a joke and they are shit is my understanding and the joke is dr brown thinks he's put it in a really cool car but he's chosen the sort of naffest lamest car he could
2: Oh that's funny. Oh, I didn't But the didn't... thing it no, but that's no.
3: it. Like when when you watch it, I think a lot of people, certainly people of our age who aren't you know, weren't there when the DeLorean came out, you just think, wow, what an amazing, cool design for a time machine. <laughs> yeah. And it's and it's become this incredibly iconic thing. And they're famously so bad that my understanding is if you want to own one you have to buy two so that you've got a whole <laughs> car's worth of spare parts to run it. Oh by. wow. Um And to be fair, you know, at this point, they're going to be old, (laughs) old cars. So that's uh, not necessarily as bad as it might be. But we should mention, actually, that Michael J. Fox was a late addition to the cast.
1: (laughs) Extremely late addition, yeah.
3: Well, yeah, they started filming, hadn't they? (laughs) Yeah,
1: so they they would originally cast Eric Stoltz as Marty McFly. Um, Who was also Eric a, now a who's TV remem- guy, wasn't he? Well, he's remembered now as the the kid in Mask with the freaky face. Oh, yeah, um, and he's in Pulp Fiction. That's what they're pretty much what people know him from. But yeah, he, what they filmed for a few weeks with him and then basically just went, this isn't working, can it? And, and brought oh. in... Uh, what
2: was the what was the reasoning behind it? Did they elaborate on behind the scenes material? They're they're always quite coy
3: about it, and I think it just hmm. generally it always just comes down to it wasn't working.
1: And... Yeah, they they definitely yeah. they no one sort of comes out and says, "Oh, he was a total asshole. We couldn't work with him." Yeah. it always sort of makes like, "Look, this just wasn't gelling, and we needed to bring a different personality into it." Which, as we've talked hmm. about, Michael J. Fox, what he brings to mm. it.
3: Well, this is it. If it had just been. A kind of Ferris Bueller figure which is what I think it would have played like yeah. had it been mm. Eric Stoltz. Maybe they were just watching the rushes and thinking mm. this character's not likeable we need to make yeah, him a maybe, bit more maybe. meek and friendly yeah, possibly. And... The fact that they did that to drop your lead actor weeks yeah. into filming and
1: basically throw out all that footage is a major thing to do and it, I mean it just does not happen uh, and even if you've, if you've got a shitty actor who's a total pain in the ass, you
3: don't do it you just stick mm. with it so let's well, see. Like, watch any film with Marlon Brando, and you'll see the lengths <laughs> films go to to work around the difficult actor.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I guess Marlon Brando as a name means something. I don't know. if I Eric suppose Schultz... that is true. Maybe, yeah. maybe in 1985, he would have been, you know, uh, as good as I Michael J. I mean, Fox he might have almost. been as
1: good as Michael J. Fox. But Michael J. Fox, mm. of course, was they wanted him for the part. I think, but he was busy because he was he does it. A... He did a TV show. Basically, the way they filmed it was he would film all day on a TV show and then come and film nights on the film or vice versa. Mm. And it just sort of like didn't sleep for about three months. (laughs) Wow. I mean, it paid off, didn't it? (laughs) Yeah. uh, But that's like from what I understand, they just couldn't make it work time-wise. And then they went, Mm. look, we have to make this work. What do we have to give Mm. you to, to make you do the job?
3: Now... My only notes, really, are just a load of scenes that I love. Um hmm, okay. <laughs> Shall I just list a few moments that are really great?
2: Oh, let's, because we might have some of the similar ones.
3: All right. The the flame skid marks the DeLorean leaves as it travels back in time. I just want to yes. point out how much of an amazing visual image that is. It, it's just... Oh, yeah. It gives the film so much character Mm, um, mm. it's so inventive and it's such a nice cool visual, it's it's brilliant
2: My, I was going to talk about the visual effects when it sort of gears up to go back or forwards in mm. time and even like the the sparks of light that like lasers, I don't know yeah, what yeah. they are that shoot out of like the top of the DeLorean onto the front and mm. all
3: that stuff, it like it looks so cool, I love mm. it Um, The framing of these films really leapt out at me on the rewatch. They're so well-framed, which isn't something that normally... or maybe maybe it's not framing so much as like actor placement but there's so many instances where there's an actor in the corner doing something and you're watching someone in the foreground and this
2: is a part of what I was referring to earlier on when I said about Robert Zemeckis' direction how it is kind of mechanical and it but but yeah. it, it works really well and I I do think of this as a bit of a Spielberg thing and he has a really good knack yeah. certainly in the earlier days and you can see it in a lot of the Indiana Jones films where a shot um it'll be all one shot but it'll Mm. sort of be static for about three specific uh framings and the actors have to move around in the set but each time they move and then stop it's like a perfectly framed shot Mm. with maybe one of them in the background one in the foreground or whatever and Mm. then they move around and reassemble again and then the camera stops and then it's another perfectly framed shot Mm. uh i think of that as a bit of a spielberg influence
1: yeah it's very Hitchcockian, isn't it? Calvin, you're a Hitchcock expert. He was very mechanical in his
3: camera stuff, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's very true.
3: I assume Hitchcock was one of Spielberg's big influences, was he not? Oh, yes. Usually we have to yeah, so. assume. So. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I, I did have one more note that um, basically he goes back and diddles with his family's past. And so when he comes back to his present. It's the same, but everyone's richer. I just thought that's that's very eighties, isn't it? That's very eighties mm. <laughs> <Just> to just like, <laughs> oh, I've improved my life because now I have more money. Yeah,
3: I feel like that's them just adding a happy ending. Yeah, that's a yeah. cherry on top. Yeah, but yeah. it's a very
1: eighties happy ending. But it still resolves with Michael, well Marty McFly, coming back to a family that he no longer knows, and they're very going to be very different in personality. And he's but he, he still had the upbringing of the old family. And so he's not going to fit in with them anymore. And I just think <laughs> we're not we don't we never get to see that kind of conflict. <laughs>
2: but, of course he will. They're rich.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, they're all nicer. I think they they get along with him just fine. I th- the implication is he's going to get along with them just fine. And it's like his family are just the perfect version of what he would like them to be to begin with.
2: But I think, uh, beyond that, I think he has gained some kind of uh, respect for his parents. Like, he saw that his mum as yeah. a bit of a lazy layabout, and his dad a you know, an a unconfident dweeb. And now, through this experience of going back and seeing them, and what they were like when he when they were his age, I think he does go back with some kind of respect for them. Yeah. I mean, they've completely changed his people, so I'm not sure how... <laughs>
1: And relevant then, that is, but... And now, yeah. every, every time he looks at his mum, he's going to think about that time in the car where... <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: there are some uncomfortable
2: <laughs> incesty y moments, as
3: well as an uncomfortable rape moment. I love that this film doesn't shy away from any of that, though, because it, it's... I'm not sure you get the incest stuff through a film like this in this day and age
1: well i think it plays really well and i think his yeah, reaction is perfect that kind of exactly. squirmy she doesn't know so she can play it up a bit more but he has to kind of go along with it to to get her into where he needs to get her and all that yeah. sort of thing and it, i think it, it works because they play it well and they just yeah. tone it just right and then when they have the moment it's there is this sense of like, oh, this is weird, and so we yeah. that, that gives us a perfect opportunity to just sort of step away from it, and and, that, of, uh, and, and the fact break. that
3: it never goes beyond the kiss that she's immediately not into. I, yeah. I think if it had gone mm. a second longer, it would be like, oh god, stop it, it's horrible.
2: Yeah. So speaking of uncomfortable moments, there is also the moment where Biff is about to rape the mother
1: character. Yeah. Um, that's a bit uncomfortable, isn't it? It's definitely the 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 most mm. sort of grotesque part of the film. And, and obviously it's supposed to be, he's the bad mm. guy, but he goes from yeah. being like a high school arsehole bully to, yeah, full on like sexual predator. Yeah. And mm. it is a bit of a a turn. And at least we get that point that it, it gets George to to kind of stand up to him because mm. he's going too far. Um, but mm. yeah, is it, I think, does it feel more comfortable to us now than it would if we watched it 30 years ago? Have things changed
3: yeah, I, I think it's I think it's um, absolutely aged in a way that makes Biff far more, like say, grotesque and and horrible.
2: The thing that I, I the the biggest difference I think would take place in today's world is his comeuppance because his comeuppance at the end of the film is that yes, he becomes. You're right uh marty's dad's lackey and he's like washing the car or something um which is funny for the goofy villain that biff is for a lot of the film but i, I yeah i'm not sure if that's quite penance for attempted rape
1: yeah if you're a rapist that's hmm. not quite a... i think if, yeah. if it was if that if that scene played out just differently enough so you didn't think it was going to be rape but he's just kind of being really hands-on and kind of harassing well that
3: I think that's mm. how it's intended, but with the eye from thirty years ago and watching it now, it's clear as day what he's like doing. And when he when he says like just walk away to George McFly, it's oh, fucking yeah That chilling. is the, that is like, the creepy part. Yeah, blown. yeah, right. Yeah, mm. but I do think you do get the impression that they put that scene together with the sense of oh, he's just being a bit handsy, and you know, yeah. it's not that big a deal. <laughs> like i say it's, it's something it's it's certainly aged in a way but i don't think it harms the film necessarily no, that it's no. aged that way it just mm. makes the character far darker than i think they intended him to be well mm. can we
1: move on to the second film then if we are we happy to do yeah.
3: that oh i was just going to say that the film ends on a, a cliffhanger that is literally the opening of the next film they just repeat well they reshot footage but um, it was never intended to have a sequel this film and this this is something I was lot... going to ask, yeah. Oh, do oh, you do not know? Okay. No, no, no. Well this is something a lot of people I think believe this to be a film series that was constructed as a trilogy and, and thought through and it wasn't. It was a standalone film and it's just a great ending is, hey, now we're going to the future. It, it's just a real sort of off on another adventure and And I think one of the big reasons people did feel that it was planned, or think it was planned, is that when it was released on video, they went back and added a to-be-continued at the end of the film. But then the second and third film were put into production back-to-back, which, yeah, was basically just unprecedented
1: it's not particularly common now even but no but also these two films are completely different like with different settings and stuff so it's not like they were using the same set so we're like oh well let's just sort of today we're doing this shooting this this this, this. <laughs> it, it must
3: have been like we shot one film and then we just moved on and shot the next yeah, mm. I, I mean, I like that they did it because it, it means... Well, firstly, it means the actors don't age much between the films that are meant to be set days apart in scenes. But also, they did go in and add a kind of arc across the thing as a trilogy. And there are all these little setups for the third film and the second one. And
1: Well, there's a lot of little setups, but I'm not sure if thematically it really creates a... a oh, life. there's a
3: lot of there's basically in the second film they add in this whole idea that suddenly McFly hates being called a coward that's never yeah. come up before. Yeah, exactly. But they make a big thing of, of that Chicken. and then it, mm. yeah, and then it pays off in the third film. And that's his arc as he kind of matures over the course of the three films is the idea. And, and you know, I think they do a, I think it works. I think it's a decent job. It's maybe not done as well as it could have been. Uh, the one big note I would have for these guys writing these films is I think the whole trilogy would work a lot better if they'd swapped the third and second film around and did the Wild West and then did the future. Cause, because the second film, the, the big thing in the third act is that they revisit the first film. And I love that, but to me that feels like the end of the trilogy should be the the first film again. There's a lot more
2: going back and forth in the second one, whereas in Mm. the first and third they sort of end up in a time period, they can't go back, they need to figure out how to do it, and just deal with things while they're there, whereas in the second one it feels like Mm. a lot of hopping around. Well,
3: the first first one's set in the 50s, the third one's set in the Wild West, the second one in theory is set in the future, but like you say Mm. it's not really, it's kind of they go to the future for the first act, then they come back to the eighties, but it's all different, and then mm. they go to the fifties again.
2: Yeah, which feels like more of a final chapter, yeah. really. Yeah, uh, to zip around all the different periods rather than just staying yeah. in one specific place. Mm. I'm not overly keen on the second
1: one. Well, really? I was gonna, I was gonna say this as well. And I thought this might be a controversial statement, but it's definitely my least favorite of the three.
3: Wow! Because
1: of all that jumping around, the third one has much yeah. more of a, a, a tighter concept. And it works much better mm. for me.
3: This is something that comes up a lot. I The general consensus is that the first film is the best, the second is the second best, and the third is the third best. But <laughs> you do get a lot of... Um, no offence, guys, but generally the stuffier critics out there <laughs> who uh, dismiss the second one as being very... Um, oh, it's full of product placement and it's just messy and silly and say the third one was a you know a step up. but
1: Well, the, my problem is that the, the stuff in the future in the second one works brilliantly. It's great. It's, it's mm. so well realised. If it was set in the future or the majority of it was set in the future, I'm on board. But it's there for about 20 minutes and then we go off to the 80s mm. and that's quite cool. We've got lots of different stuff going on there. And then when it goes back to the 50s, it just feels like we're repeating what happened in the first film. And it goes yeah. on way too long, that oh, last no, bit. See, I, and I, I and love just when they really go back down. to the
3: first film. But that, that again, this is one of my things that I really like. I love time travel that takes you back to familiar scenes from things, but you see stuff happening from a different angle. And...
1: Yeah, but we don't do it... We don't just go back and see one scene, do we? We go back and see, like, the last 45 minutes of the film, and then we just do the last 45 minutes of the film from a different
3: angle. And it just it's just too long. It's just too much. This is why I think it would work better as the third part, because it would feel like a celebration mm, yeah. of the franchise and it coming to an end and... I, I I kind of get it, and it did strike me as messier than I remembered on the rewatch, but I, I still, I, I love it, and I, I think it's better than the third one, personally.
2: Can we talk a bit about, Marty McFly has a girlfriend in all of these films, <laughs> uh, and she's recast in the second one with hmm. um, Elizabeth Shue. Yeah. And is very promptly what is she knocked out she's um paralyzed in some way and <laughs> literally thrown in a dumpster. Yeah. Uh
1: I did my first note was um let's play a game called How Quickly Can We Get Rid of This Extraneous Girlfriend Character? <laughs> it was just <laughs> obviously like, oh shit, we wrote her into the end <laughs> of the first yeah. film and yeah. now we need to get rid of her.
2: But just what, like, just, like, if if you've written yourself into that corner and you're not gonna, like, they refilm the ending of the first one for the second one anyway, and I'm sure there's another way they could have gotten rid of her, but to take her around the different time zones and, like, just mm. leave her there... It, it, it just smacks of laziness, or... Mm. Yeah, I don't know.
1: They do get her in the house, and that that allows us to uh, be introduced to the, the family through her Yeah, yeah. so that, that but works. But that's it,
3: it's really, it's really just sort of exposition for us, if more than anything. It's sort of setting up mm. the, who the family are now. I'm not sure
2: how much I like the idea that the same actors are playing, like, each other's parents and grandparents. Yeah, it's, it's and very, great, um, great great
3: Grandparents, and it's, it's... It's very Blackadder, isn't it?
2: It's very cartoony and maybe more so than these films are. I agree. Naturally... There's
3: there's nothing like that in the first film. I, I think it was mm. their attempt to get some of the makeup age effects back and.
1: If you'd had it as Martin McFly's son looks just like him, as it, and so that means he can step in and sort of take his place and pretend to be him. That's mm. your big one. That's your plot contrivance. You can get away with yeah. that. But then having him yeah. play the daughter as well. And, and then like, yeah, they do it in the second film, uh, in, the, sorry, yeah. in the third film. Yeah, it's just, it feels a bit overtly comedic, like self-conscious, doesn't it?
3: Mm. I think in the third film it was, more than anything, just a means of getting Leah Thompson involved um, a Mm. bit more, but yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. So Crispin Glover's recast and this is one of the other um, few behind the scenes tidbits that I actually yeah. know because from what I understand and correct me if I'm wrong on this all you seem to know more about the behind the scenes stuff than I do but he was sort of angling for as much pay as Michael J Fox and Christopher Lloyd <laughs> yeah. and sort of wanted equal billing with them <laughs> uh and they were sort of like well no obviously not <laughs> no <laughs> uh so they just made do without him which is why he's upside down mm. in a lot of the scenes where that character is but they did reuse a lot of footage of him from the first film, yes. which I understand was the subject of a big legal wrangling. It was the
3: fact that they'd used his likeness, and I think, oh. they, I think the fact that they used footage from the first film cemented his case for that.
2: And from what I understand, a lot of today's rules and laws about that sort of thing came about because of this instance, mm. and uh, Crispin Glover didn't have a very good... Career in Hollywood after that. Uh, yeah. you think you know, pissing off Spielbergs, Zemeckis, uh, Universal Pictures. It's, uh... Good on him. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to talk about Trump? Is that what yeah. was well, a good point to well, mention that? Yes, Biff yeah. goes back
1: to the past to change himself into Donald Trump.
2: Yeah. Uh and he's got like this big like casino. He turns Hill Valley into this CD. Mm. Uh, well, it, it just looks like
1: well, Donald
3: Trump. No, he he was literally based on Donald Trump. Oh no way, really? The, uh, sorry, the, the alternate eighties vote. Yeah, they they. Oh my they, God. They've said it's like they used Donald Trump as a basis, and oh, wow. it's become <laughs> all the more. Um...
1: Well, that's say he's got Biff Tower and all this sort of thing. Of course.
3: And I, I think he, he makes a good villain in this as well. I, I think he's he's distinctly different from the Biff of the first film as an old Biff, yeah. But it's yeah. he's still quite a formidable but fun kind of villain for the piece. It, it, mm. it works well. But yeah, the the end of the second film, like I've I've had this argument before with people when I try and explain how I I hate films that just don't end properly, like uh, The Empire Strikes Back or Pirates of the Caribbean 2, and they just sort of call it quits and say come back for the third one. I will generally point to Back to the Future 2 as a good example of how how you do a, a middle film, because the plot is wrapped up and happy and... The arc is closed out and satisfied, but then at the very end, something else completely different goes wrong and sets mm. up the third film.
2: So the big new addition to this third instalment is Mary Steenburgen
3: mm-hmm. and the fact that we're in the Wild West. And the, the main plot here really is basically when he gets back in time, the uh, fuel tank is, is damaged. Uh, gets shot, doesn't it, by a, an engine. An engine, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he can't drive the DeLorean anymore, which means he can't mm. get it up to 88 miles an hour. So yeah, it, it, but it really is for the most part a standalone Western adventure, which I think this film went a long way towards winning me over to Westerns as a genre. <laughs> I, when mm. I was younger I always used to find Westerns so dry and boring and just not a particularly gripping aesthetic for things, but there's a handful of Westerns that are quite fun and, and throw in a time machine or a robot. and It's won yeah. me round to it as a genre. <laughs> I quite like a Western now.
1: I guess the character arc is Marty learning that, you know, uh, he matures, uh, he doesn't have to um, fight every time someone calls him a chicken. Mm. Um, I do think um, that... It's a very specific trigger that he has.
3: Yeah. <laughs> the payoff there is when he gets back to the present and that really feels like a, a sort of... Epilogue that just doesn't quite connect with the rest of the film. I don't know if you guys mm. agree. with Well, that. it's because
1: it's all set up in the second film. There's this mention of an accident and end with a Rolls Royce, and and it doesn't pay off then. And you just think, oh yeah, it's some. That's why he's not a musician, of course.
3: There's this. There's, there's so many weird little setups. Like Biff, Biff is just watching. Um, is it A Fistful of Dollars at one point, the, yeah. the end scene, that they then parody in the third film? It's I think the implication is that Marty got the idea to put a yeah. a big chess plate on because he saw that bit of footage when he came into the room and it was on, but it doesn't really work. Can we talk about Mary Steenburgen? Yeah, me? yeah. Right? Because
2: <laughs> she's, she's the only actor who comes in and plays a big part who isn't already one of Mm. the ones in the first film Um, and there's very much a big love story in this between her and Doc Mm. uh,
3: but yeah, I I like Mary Steenburgen a lot what do you guys think? Mary Steenburgen is someone I I know her as an older woman, I've seen her in a lot of things recently Uh, this is pretty Mm. much the only thing I've seen her in where she's younger and I find it really jarring (laughs) She doesn't look right when she's not old. It's weird.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, even then, I don't think she was that young. I mean, I think she's supposed to be playing someone not too much older than... Not too much younger, rather than Christopher Lloyd.
3: Hmm.
2: I was saying that, actually. This is the old version of Doc, isn't it? Who had the plastic surgery to remove... (laughs) Yeah the necessity for Christopher Lloyd to sit through makeup, <laughs> uh, which they established at the end of the second film. So I guess he is still like, what, 60, 70 years old, something like that, and I guess yeah. she's like 40. Mm, okay then. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but, you know, he's he's still uh, fertile, because he fathers a couple <laughs> Yes, no, of he, he sires <laughs> two children. <laughs>
1: yeah, She's a good fit for him and she she provides a good partner for him, uh, and I think that works in the, in the sense that they don't really have much time to set up or do anything with it. It's just kind of like, oh, look, we need these Mm. guys to fall in love. And and so I think it works quite nicely. And it works a lot better than like when we see Martin McFly with his girlfriend when he's 17. And so we naturally just accept that they're going to be married later and have kids as if that's like a normal thing that always happens.
3: Um, Whereas (laughs) at least
1: with these guys, it feels like a bit more genuine, like they're a bit older and wiser. Um, And so you can go with it a bit more. But yeah, I think she she does a good job in the role. It, it does feel like it doesn't really go anywhere, or it doesn't add anything. Mm. It feels like it's just filling up plot time.
3: One of the reasons I think this is weaker than the previous film is I think it's a tad too long. It's a much slower pace compared to the frantic second one, but I, I think I'd mm. rather mm. have frantic than dragging... My feelings on the third one are generally that it's very underrated. Because like I say, the general consensus is that this is the weak one, and I think it's good. Even mm. though I prefer the second one. Hmm. What
1: about um, Thomas F. Wilson in this one? Because in this he just plays one okay. character, uh, but again, it's a very different character and he does something yeah. much more with it.
3: I think he's good, again. I do it well. Yeah. I think he does a very yeah, good job very of it, and he, he really fits that archetypical character that it's almost to the point that I wonder if they had the idea of Biff Tannen as a, a you know an outlaw in the Wild West and wrote the rest of the film around that.
1: Ding dong! Oh, oh, guys, it's um, Irish Michael J. Fox at the door. <laughs> oh God! Alright, lads, are you are you going to let me in there? I'm looking for Mister <laughs> Eastwood. Oh God. <laughs> 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 I liked him and Leah Thompson doing these really bad Irish accents, which I think was deliberate. I think it was they were doing deliberately over the top accents.
3: Uh,
2: Again, it's this broad comedy. <laughs> um, even the fact that those two were playing those
3: parts is, uh, mm. yeah, it's yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I, I I I always hated them doing those shit accents when I was younger. On the rewatch, it didn't bother me as much, but I think I'd remembered the mm. accents being worse than they actually were. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> what would you give them all out of ten? I just want to like quantify, get a sense for hmm. how much of a disparity you've got between them. Okay. Well my I uh, can do mine go... while he's
1: thinking. I've got mine are um yeah. eight seven
3: eight. Oh. Oh well, that's not that high for the first one. Fair enough. I mean I like
1: I like the first one. I think I would have to say the first one's better than the third, even though I've given them both eight. Just for based on original concept mm. and, and, and how it works. Mm. Mm. But yeah, I'm not going to carry it away. It's a high eight. No, no, no. Mm. Uh,
3: mine would be eight, six, seven. Ooh, I definitely like this franchise the most. So.
1: Oh, why? What would, you,
2: what
3: would yours be? Uh, 10, nine, nine. Ooh. That's crazy. Oh, 10, nine, eight point five. <laughs> mm.
1: Well, on that act of craziness, <laughs> should, we, should we move on?
3: I don't think that's that yes. mad. <laughs> Back to the Future's, like, in the top 40 films on IMDb, isn't it? It's it's a very well-regarded film. Anyway, should we move on? Uh, yeah, well, what I was going to say is I, I I do find it curious that they never even seemed to consider a fourth film. Ah, but there was continuation in other media. Well, yeah... Uh, it certainly seems like Christopher Lloyd is a lot less precious about reviving oh, the characters character. himself than out. Spielberg is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: well, Ma- Michael J. Fox did appear with him on was it some chat show where they appeared up
3: in a Delorean? Yeah, they they appeared in character on I want to say Jimmy Kimmel or something, and it, it was it was quite sad really because they just get out the Delorean and. He's like, "Oh, Marty, it's 2015 again," and then Marty's like, <laughs> with his you know condition, he's just there shaking away, going, "Oh, this is heavy, Doc." And he's like, "Yeah, <laughs> oh, it really is." And, it and was well, sort of... that was the thing
1: is it, it was a sweet little kind of thing. It's like, "Oh yeah, look at them together again," but it did seem like two old men who were like trying to peer over their glasses to read the cue cards, kind of thing. <laughs> it <was> yeah. Like... <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh... There was before that, there was the Saturday morning cartoon show. It's not great. I is think it? a couple of episodes are on the uh, DVDs. These oh, really? Days. Yeah, okay. uh, I believe so, but I, I've not actually watched them. From what I understand, it was uh, Marty McFly, Doc, and then Doc's two sons who we see at the end of three going off on adventures.
3: Marty takes a back seat from what I've seen. I think it's predominantly oh. Doc Brown and his kids, Jules, and what huh. are the other ones called?
2: But then there's also the Back to the Future ride at Universal Studios, which which I think is, oh yeah, really good. I mean, they revamped it in the Florida park and put a Simpsons ride in its place, but I remember going on that ride when I was a kid and absolutely loving
3: it. And uh, Christopher Lloyd reprised his role as Dr. Brown for that Simpsons ride.
1: (laughs) So, you'll know this, has Christopher Lloyd ever played Doc Brown in... uh, the Simpsons and/or Community uh, or any of those other shows that just do reference Family Guy.
3: Are you intentionally <laughs> setting up my quiz?
1: No, no, I'm not. I was because <laughs> that is actually a really good uh, setup. For it's it. just like these are all shows where I'd expect to see Christopher Lloyd turn up for one episode and and say, "Great Scott!"
3: I've I've done a I've done a quiz for you, which oh, is a, ah. got a selection of audio clips here, and you have to tell me if it's Doc Brown or. Oh, Schmuck Brown. Yeah. Schmuck (laughs) Schmuck Brown. No, you have to tell me if it's actually uh, an actual, in some way, official performance of the character reprised along. Because none of these clips are from the original films. I'll tell you that now. Okay, cool. Okay. Or if it's some sort of parody or similar thing that I've thrown in to throw you off the scent. Okay, And you'll hear a few of those similar Christopher Lloyd reprising the role clips along the way. I suppose you'll be playing against each other. One point if you correctly identify it as real or not. Uh, Mm -hmm. So Doc Brown or Schmock Brown, I guess, unless we can think of something better than that. Doc Brown or Not Brown. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, What about Doc Brown or Croc Brown?
3: Yeah, I like it.
1: (laughs) What? Why? Because it's a croc. So. Oh,
2: like oh. <laughs> oh, that's very good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um.
3: uh if you can correctly identify what the things from, I'll give you an extra point as well, but I guess we'll do that after. Brilliant. Okay.
0: Heavy indeed. 2796 pounds to be exact. After all, there's a car in there. But I have thought of that. And it'll go wherever you tell it to. Look <laughs> what I've done inside the car. The time circuits are now audio activated.
2: Huh. Sorry, all these are Christopher Lloyd. We're not guessing whether or not they are Christopher Lloyd. It's just whether or not They're he's not playing Doc all Brown. They're not Christopher Lloyd.
1: Oh. That okay. did not sound like Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> no.
2: It didn't, do did it? It sounded like a parody of Doc Brown from some cartoon, probably knowing you, Futurama.
1: Uh, it didn't. No, it didn't sound very future ish It's more like, um, what's that new one that I haven't seen that everyone loves? Family Guy. No, Rick and Morty. new one. Rick and Morty. Yeah, that's it. It's from Rick and, uh, It's from that because it was so. I can tell it's modern because it was too quick and sort of no attention span. Audience, <laughs> um,
3: you, you both you both going croc then? Yes, uh, yeah. You are both incorrect. That was <laughs> yeah. that was from the Back to the Future animated series. Oh, God, no! That was Dan Castellaneta voicing Doc Brown very poorly there. Oh, can yeah. I hear it again? No, oh, no, it's
1: Dan Castellaneta. Because uh, yes, there was something in there that made me that was familiar. So um, maybe that's mm. why.
0: Heavy indeed two thousand seven hundred and ninety-six pounds to be exact. After all, there's a car in there.
2: <laughs> you know the so. thing with Dan Castle is like when he it's the same thing like when he was doing the genie for the Aladdin um TV show, it's just lacking that energy that the yeah. original performer brought to it. There's something quite lethargic about it. Uh which is weird because I don't feel that when he does other characters
3: This is it, when he does an original character, he is f- a phenomenally talented voice actor. In The Simpsons, he's excellent. Yeah. When he turns up as Robot Devil in Futurama, he is excellent. But I agree, mm. he 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 seems to only be capable under certain circumstances. Right, next clip.
0: I see you're admiring my box. It's my own invention to keep sandwiches in. You see, I carry it upside down so they don't get wet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know what that is. <laughs> oh, damn it. I, I, I can't remember what it is, but I'm, I've definitely heard that before. That is definitely Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, that was Christopher Lloyd. That's quite an old Christopher (laughs) (laughs) Lloyd. I'm going to say not Doc Brown. I don't think it's Doc Brown, but I'm trying to think of Christopher Lloyd films. (laughs) I'll go Croc, because I think it's Christopher Lloyd, but in something else.
3: Uh, you are correct, it's, it's Christopher Lloyd playing the White Knight in the 1999 TV movie version of Alice in Wonderland
2: Oh, wow, he sounded much older than 1999 I think he's doing an old man voice
3: <laughs> it's uh, He seems to be doing Yeah, Next one
0: How high? Well Pretty darn high Out For the and that technology is wonderful, but sometimes the simplest things are more enjoyable. Up here, I can do anything. I can keep an eye on the local bird life.
2: Huh? Something about bird life at the end.
1: I think that is Doc Brown. I think that's Doc Brown as well. I think that's Doc Brown in mm. like some sort of corporate video for for like <laughs> a bird sanctuary or whatever. They, they just I'm... they got him in to do.
3: I'm gonna guess some kind of cartoon. I'm going to give you a point for that, Calvin. That oh. was also from the Back to the Future animated series. Uh, each oh. episode opened with a live-action sequence with Christopher Lloyd and Bob <laughs> Brown setting oh. up the episode um, before going into the animated bulk of it. And that what was on him. earth? <laughs> that was him in an episode like, in a hot air balloon. <laughs> like, Did they just not have faith in him
2: to voice the character? If he's going to turn up and do <laughs> it's, like it's vignettes...
3: It's really strange. Wow. Okay. All right, next clip. Calvin, you are winning by one point. (laughs) Is there a problem here? Your existence.
4: I was told I was coming here to meet a wealthy art investor who could fill my coffers.
0: No, I'm not above that yet. (laughs) Instead,
4: I find myself face to face with a nightmarish product of our floundering American educational system. Hey, 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 I don't have to take that. Do I? <laughs> Why don't we just call this whole thing off here? I'm not so crazy about your attitude.
0: You, sir, are an ignorant man. You are all ignorant. You are all stuff to fill graves. Hmm. Can okay,
3: I, well... I, I think... That, that
2: one. Yeah, so I'm guessing it's Schmock Brown. Oh, no, sorry, Croc Brown, yes.
1: <laughs> um, uh, I'll go, for the sake of uh, competition, I'll say Doc Brown, and that he's sort of... Definitely in that character, and it's like, it sounded so bad and stilted that I was—I thought it might be like a sketch show like Saturday Night Live, because it felt like no one had learned their lines properly, or they'd just been given them like half an hour before. Uh, I didn't recognise the other voice though.
3: No, Calvin is correct, I'm afraid. It's not Doc oh. Brown, it was uh, Christopher Lloyd making a guest appearance on Cheers. Oh! Uh, yeah, the, the show that, of course, our favourite, Frasier... Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> yeah. Plus uh, a yeah, Mary yeah, yeah,
1: Steenburgen yeah. connection, of course. She married yeah. Ted Danson. Yeah, yeah, Ted oh, Danson yes. in that
3: clip, in fact. What oh, was that Ted? Huh. That was 1984, the year before Back to the Future, just to <laughs> give you a sense huh. of where his Aww. career was prior to the film. So there you go. Uh, Calvin's now winning by two points, so come on, Alan, you can. Get in! Watch your step! Hurry up! Get in, let's go!
1: We've got to move! Uh, I know what this is. Yeah. Watch two. Well, I've never been on the ride, get so now. I'm guessing it's it's the ride at whatever you were talking about earlier.
3: Yeah. It's and I've not it's... been on it, so
1: I should get the point.
3: No <laughs> <Do> what? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's that ride. It's quite a nice, easy one that. Yeah, that's that's yeah. just him urging you to get on the uh in the DeLorean before it takes off. <laughs> mm.
1: How many people could they fit in this DeLorean?
3: I think it was it eight? I think yeah, but they had like a load of them going at once because I I went on the yeah. ride about five times when I was there, and on on like the fifth time I sort of stood up and peered over the screen separating everyone mm. and saw about uh, like five DeLoreans moving around at once. It was <laughs> uh, it's a cool ride that though. I, I was like really I was ride. so blown away when it took off because I wasn't because it's quite an old ride when I first went on it. I wasn't expecting mm. it to be as absurdly immersive as it was, but it it really, Mm. uh, yeah, great fun. Right, next one.
0: He needs to get direct TV HD. I already have all the best channels, and soon they'll have three times more HD capacity than cable. Mm. Impossible!
1: (laughs) Oh, Christopher Lloyd. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's, that's gotta be... Official Doc Brown, well, how official? It's Christopher Lloyd doing Doc Brown in an advert for HDTV. Yeah,
3: yeah that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, you, you are both correct. Uh, mm. That is Christopher Lloyd selling out his most <laughs> character for an advert, which he's mm-hmm. done a few times. Uh, yeah, for Direct TV. Now, bear in mind for the next one, there are no clips taken from the films themselves here. Okay.
4: Okay. What
0: did I tell ya? 88 miles per hour! The temporal displacement occurred at exactly 1.20 am and zero seconds!
2: Oh. Uh... I don't know, he said the 88 miles thing. Hmm. So I'm thinking... But then, I think this might be a trick. I'm gonna go Croc Brown for
3: this one. (laughs) Yeah. I, I believe those exact lines are in the first film, I think. Which makes me
2: think even more that it's some Christopher Lloyd, maybe a cameo appearance. Mm. Or. Oh no, I bet is it in that film with him and Hulk Hogan? <laughs> <What film? laughs>
1: no, no, no. Oh. oh I know what you're that. talking about, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what film is, that? is it Suburban Commando, is that the one?
2: Yeah, it's something like that where Hulk Hogan comes to live with Christopher <laughs> Lloyd. So <laughs> do you not know about
1: that? No. <laughs> oh you'll love it you should definitely seek that out I will um, I think that is so self-referential that it's got to be something like Community um, <laughs> in which he's not officially Doc Brown but is just blatantly ripping it off but he's actually like a janitor who does yeah. science experiments <laughs> so I'm going with Croc Brown
3: I'm afraid you're both wrong that oh. was uh, from the opening of Back to the Future the game the uh, oh. video game that recreated uh, recreated the opening moments of the film before doing its own thing. Um, Mm. I played the first chapter of that. I don't know if you guys have touched it. I'm sure you haven't, Alan, but it's pretty good. I want to go and play the rest of it when when I can be bothered (laughs) when I've got the time. Mm. It's very in in the spirit of the films. Okay, uh, next clip. Of course, of
4: course. Naturally, it's just a scale model, but it's nearly operational. I can show it to you, say, first thing in the morning
2: sounds like Don Knotts. <laughs> or someone trying to do Don Knotts.
1: Yeah, it definitely doesn't sound like Christopher Lloyd.
2: Uh, but I don't, know, I don't know if it's Christopher Lloyd doing a voice. No, actually it can't be. He can't possibly do a voice. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to go Croc Brown, but it's such an odd clip.
1: Well, I don't think it's Christopher Lloyd, so I guess it has to be Croc Brown.
3: No, that that is Doc Brown, uh, once again oh. from Back to the Future, the game, but that is the, oh. the younger version of Dr. Brown from the 1940s, after they've travelled back in time, and I, I think that is Christopher Lloyd, but I think they might have sped his uh. voice up a tiny bit to make him mm, sound younger. Pitched it up or something. Yeah. Mm, okay, then. Alright, next one.
0: Smell that drop of blood from miles away. Like a shark. Actually, Mike... Sharks don't rely on smell. They respond to electrical impulses in the water. Okay. I know what this
1: is. I know what it is. Is that... It's Piranha 3... uh, Piranha 3D or whatever that one thing is that he's in. Yes. (laughs) Yes,
2: it's Croc Brown and it's Christopher Lloyd in Piranha 3D.
3: Um, no, it's it's Croc Brown. You're right there. But it's not from Piranha.
2: Oh, no, it's Piranha 3 double D. No,
3: no, no. Oh. Um, What? Um... Is it from Tremors the TV show? No, but you're getting closer. <laughs> what mm-hmm. else is he in? I don't think you'll get this. It's quite an obscure role. That's like obscure oh. to the point that I don't even know what like how they got him to be in it. Sharknado, one of those? No, more obscure than that. It's um it's Oof. from RL Steins The Haunting Hour. <laughs> uh oh. specifically the episode called Grandpires about some grandparent vampires. <laughs> Next one.
4: Are you telling me you built a time machine
0: out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you- A stainless steel loser-mobile? If I'm gonna make a time machine, it's got to be iconic. I'm not gonna use a Honda F***ing Civic.
1: <laughs> well, it's definitely Doc Brown. Yeah, I mean, it's just literally doing bits from the film. Oh, I'm not sure what that could be, though. Some sort of shitty sketch. On the yeah. on, on YouTube,
2: I'm gonna say not Fun- Saturday Night Live, funny or die. That's normally live, and they wouldn't bleep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, pretty funny or die. But give Alan the point for that. <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, you're you're both correct. That is, uh, yeah, it's Christopher Lloyd reprising the role, and I mean you're correct insofar as it's from a a, a shitty sketch show. It's from Robot Chicken. <laughs> um, Same thing, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right, here we go. Oh,
0: excuse me, I'm looking for Amy Henry, you know she is? Well, if my calculations are correct, she'll be out of a staff meeting in a few minutes. You look familiar. <laughs> oh.
1: Can I have a guess what that is? Um, I think it's fake. Well, I don't think it's Doc Brown. I would,
2: uh, for argument's sake, I'm going to go Doc Brown.
1: Okay. okay. Is it from the sitcom Spin City with Michael J. Fox? Oh
3: no, I thought you were going to get an extra point there, Alan, and catch up with Calvin. <laughs> Uh, you, you are correct that it's uh, not Doc Brown.
1: Oh wait, is it? Uh, is it? Is it in Scrubs oh, with Michael no. J. Fox?
3: Oh, no, it's uh, it's from the <laughs> short-lived and not particularly good, the Michael J. Fox show, which was a sitcom oh. vehicle for um. Michael J. Fox playing not quite himself, like himself if he was a weatherman. <laughs> But they but they did an episode early on with Christopher Lloyd as a guest star and they were just very like, hey, remember when these guys were in that thing together? And...
1: Oh, it's weak, isn't it? It's weak
3: stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you are catching up with Calvin there. you at one point uh, caught up with him there.
2: So mm, so it's all to
3: play for. Might turn this around, yeah. Stop!
0: Don't pull out those candles. They'll sell
3: off a chain of events
0: that ends with you becoming president. That's ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. It's catastrophic. I've come all the way from the year 2016 to stop (laughs) us. Come on.
2: I'm going to go Croc Brown, but I think that's going to be like some, you know, nice little reference to him coming back from the future or something in a comedy show or film. Uh,
1: And I think it's Doc Brown. It's on like um, whatever the equivalent these days of Letterman is and the host (laughs) was doing some little sketch, and he comes in and says, no, don't do that. And it was done in, well, before 2016, I suppose.
3: Mm. (laughs) Well, you've made up one point there, Alan. It is Doc Brown. Uh, So (laughs) you are now both drawing. It's all to play for. Uh, Yeah, it's Mm. Dr. Brown who makes a very quick cameo in the 2016 Funny or Die (laughs) feature-length film, I guess. Donald Trump's God, The like Art of does. the Deal, the movie in which Johnny Depp portrays Donald Trump. Oh. Hmm. Um, <laughs> okay. So, yeah, all to play for with this next one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh,
4: Doc, this is the most fun because now that there's no tree, I can fly the kite all in the yard. <clears throat> yes, Marty. Ah! It's fun, Marty! ha! <laughs> arr, arr, matey! But still, I sometimes often wonder who that 1950s man was. We killed him, remember? I wonder who he was. Oh my god, Marty! You're disappearing! Oh god, Doc! Why? What's going on? You gotta help me, Doc! I'm fading away! disappearing. It hurts. That 1950s man, Marty. He must have been your great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. Hurry, Doc. What can we do? You gotta fix me. I don't know what to do, Marty. Wait, Doc. I've got an idea. Your balls. Let me lick on your balls, Doc. By Jove, you're right, Marty. Hurry. Suck on my balls. This time is a little different, Marty. You have to jerk me off while you do it. Jerk me off. Hurry. It's for your life, Marty. Jerk me off. Oh... Oh, please. Please work. It's working, Marty. It's working. it's working. It's working. You did it, Doc. You really, you saved my life. You saved my life. No, Marty. We saved your life. We saved your life.
2: <laughs> oh. Well, I'm i am going to say Croc Brown because I don't think that's Christopher Lloyd. And I b- <laughs> do believe that that is Rick and Morty. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: oh really oh, okay. I was gonna go I, I was gonna go Crock Brown I was gonna go porno take on Back to the Future called uh, Crack to the Future yeah. <laughs> so, so <Yeah>. gay porn <laughs> Um,
3: I mean it's it's obviously not an official Doc Brown
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, Calvin is nearly there um, ah! That's actually from the Adventures of Doc and Marty, spelled M H A R T I, which is a really stupid, crude, uh, cartoon made by Justin Roiland that was developed into the far better Rick and Morty.
0: I,
2: yeah,
3: I recognized his voice. But I yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> okay. and Rick and Morty is is much cleverer and not as stupid <laughs> as that. Um, the, the whole the whole like of that short is just things happening and then Marty has to suck his balls to fix it and it fixes it, it it solves the problems with the time-based continuum. It's a very clever comedy. Yeah, well that, see this is, mm. this is why Rick and Morty's great because you've got Justin Roiland doing that sort of shit on one side and then like a real writer on the other side making sure it's actually good. So. <laughs> mm. So so who who gets the points? Um, uh, I, that's close enough. I think Calvin gets a point there. It's it's, it's as good as Rick and Morty. Yeah, it's Justin ah. Rowland. So yeah, Calvin, you win by one point there.
2: Oh, <laughs> phew, that's good, because I, I, I was going to cause a major upset then if Alan, if it was a tie or Alan had won, because uh, I'd looked up the voice cast for that Back to the Future game, and young Doc Brown was actually voiced by James Arnold Taylor. Oh.
3: Oh. So Alan would have got that point wrong.
1: It's still officially Doc Brown. No, I
3: was going to say, it's still Dr. Brown. It's still an official Dr. Brown. Oh, what? Oh, I thought we were just, if it was Christopher Lloyd or not. No. Dan no. Castellaneta was oh, okay. the one at the start, remember?
2: Oh, oh yeah. Oh, there <laughs> so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there we go. That explains why it we... sounds
3: different, though. Yeah, fair enough. Christopher Lloyd. Man of... Uh, Great act Range. <laughs> <laughs> shall we? Shall we do our pitches?
2: Yeah, let's. Um, Well, I'll do my pitch, which uh, isn't terribly thought out because it's more conceptual, really, but uh, I'd be interested to see if either of you to have done this, but I don't think there would be much point in continuing on the story that we conclude with Back to the Future 3. I think the only way to go back to it would be to remake it completely. Mm -hmm. So, I've got my cast here, so um I would cast one of the stranger things kids as Marty um specifically Finn Wolfhard who's one of the main boys in that. So show. going a
3: lot younger then.
2: Um well I'm figuring by the by the time we actually get around to making this in mm. a couple of years he'll be uh, you know he'll be 16 but he'll, he'll be actually the age he's than... playing. Yeah 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 as opposed to Michael yeah. J Fox who was like what 25 or <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um and my my choice for Doc Brown would be Stanley Tucci. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, alright, I can see that. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. I've not filled out any of the other roles because I want to talk more about. um, Obviously, it'd be contemporary, so it'd be a kid in 2020 would travel back to the 90s. Um, And obviously we do the usual thing, he meets his parents and all that kind of stuff. But what I really want to talk about here is what are the big cultural differences between now and the 90s that can be exploited? Because I think when you go from the 80s to the 50s in America, a lot changed in that gap with the sexual revolution and civil rights and all this stuff. I'm, I'm not sure if between now and the 90s there has been all that much change. Obviously technology is the main thing. Um, Well yeah, the internet's
3: the obvious thing.
2: I think 9-11 is probably a defining moment in history which was a bit of a watershed of how people looked at the world. Yeah. Um, And I certainly think in the 90s there was that cosy period between the Berlin Wall falling down Cold War ending and 9-11 and there was the celebration of the Millennium and all that kind of stuff. So I guess maybe the 90s were more optimistic than today. Oh,
1: massively. Tony Blair. Well, Yeah. We, yeah, we all believed.
3: Big. Euro 96, we thought we were going yeah, to exactly. win it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So what other changes
3: would there be? You could play on optimism, I guess. You could do the exact same joke about who's president. Donald Trump? <laughs> <laughs> the, the reality TV star! <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's true, actually. That'd still be a relevant joke. <laughs> <laughs> when in the 90s are we talking about? What? What? You need to be more specific.
0: Um, hmm...
2: Yeah, well, I guess he goes back 30 years in the film, right? From 85 to 55. So I guess that'd be the same thing here. So we'd go 2020 to
1: 1990. George Bush Sr. is president. Mm. Uh, Mm. The Reagan kind of economic years are over.
2: Maybe it'd have to be mid-90s. Yeah, we're going to have to make Uh, this
1: in 10 years. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Uh, I'm
3: a Stranger Things kid, but I think Stanley Tucci would still oh, yeah. be up for it. I mean it's the internet, basically. The internet's just changed everything.
2: Yeah. And there's elements of like political correctness, I think, that Oh yeah, true, true. You know, uh I, I even think about, you know, people talk about like now that Friends is on Netflix and stuff and oh, how yeah. problematic people perceive certain yeah. uh, jokes or things to be that I don't think would necessarily occur to you know, kids in the 90s. I thought
1: that when I was watching Back to the Future and it's in the 50s and one of one of the bully kids says to one of the black musicians, uh, well, he calls him a spook, basically. He says, get out of here, spook, or something like that. And I was thinking, like, I'm not even sure if you could do that now. Like, I don't know if you could call someone a spook, even if you're yeah. setting it in the 50s and it's supposed to be... An offensive term there, like. Plus, I don't mm-hmm. think in the fifties they would have said that. I think that was already toned down for an. I think you could absolutely
3: do it, but perhaps not in a family-friendly, yeah, 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 that's what I meant, yeah. film. You could, you could do about airport security. <laughs>
1: yeah, he, ter- he turns up to the airport like four hours before, and they just go like, "You're way too early, mate. You can be in there in twenty minutes." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When did uh, when did drink driving become unpopular? That was that the eighties, seventies. Really, yeah. Nah, I don't know. About well, it, it, it was
3: seventies when the legislation came in, and it took a while. Oh yeah, but I'm talking
1: about when, like, on. yeah, but even in films and like you see, like, oh, they just have a drink and drive home. It's yeah, no problem, yeah, yeah. and it's not even mm-hmm. perceived as like a bad moral thing. Never mind illegal. Yeah. Uh, but now it's strictly taboo. Crackdown down on drugs, probably 80s. 90s. Oh, that was a huge
3: part of the 90s in America—the the war on drugs with with uh, the Bushes. Dear.
1: So what about in this film when uh, in the sequel where they have to go into 30 years into the future? So what what is 2050 like? I think there's going to be flying cars, and we'll probably like have, <laughs> nobody. <laughs> Food we'll and just pills. Have, we'll just have pills, yeah. <laughs> and everyone will have like bionic arms and stuff.
3: I think there just won't be. An Earth there anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the uh, I think the fax machine is coming round again. <laughs> uh,
1: I think everyone will have like really? a, a chip in their head, so that we don't have to carry <laughs> phones around. It'll just sort of like we'll just we can just make it work in our, all in our bodies. We'll be cyborgs. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I do actually think that one. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
2: <sighs> yeah. So anyway, um, there's, yeah. well, that's the only way that I could
3: perceive of
2: carrying yeah. on this um, franchise. I'm curious to know what you guys have thought
3: well, of. Can I um... jump on from there? Because mine's similarly conceptual, uh, and mm. it touches on something you said there actually, which I hadn't considered when I was coming up with it, but um, my idea is basically make a straight-up sequel to the film, picking up very soon after the third one, and you know, you can try a reason why they have to do some time travel shenanigans again. I haven't bothered to come up with that. But the big thing that I would do is make it an animated film. Uh. I feel that, number one, it's kind of sacrilegious to go back and touch this property. It's too beloved, and especially with uh, the fact that Michael J. Fox has got uh, Parkinson's as well. I think that would. I, mean, I know he's been on things and they've shot around it, but I think you'd struggle for a, a full feature film. So animating it you know, means that they don't have to wage. You can get the original cast back, but they don't have to be all there. But also, I mm. think that if it's animated, that really sets it apart as a more of a spin-off, more of a distinct entity that isn't touching on and getting in the way of the original trilogy in any capacity. Uh, the inspiration for this was largely that like Back to the Future game, actually, that I mentioned and had some clips from, because... That is set mm-hmm. in 1940s Hill Valley during Prohibition, and uh, huh. Biff Tannen's a kind of local mobster.
1: Nin- hang on,
3: 1940s Prohibition? That was the 20s? Sorry, not 1920s, uh, sorry, yeah.
1: Hmm.
3: Wait, no. Does that work for Doc Brown? Probably not. Uh... I don't know, if you think in the
1: 50s he's supposed to be about, what, 40-something?
3: I think yeah. Sorry, it is the nineteen twenties. Sorry,
2: but prohibition might have. I mean, individual like states and. Mm,
3: I'm I'm trying to remember if they wrote a thing saying that Hill Valley had prohibition in the forties to justify it, or if it was just set in the twenties. Mm. I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, I, I think it is the forties. But anyway, mm. um, my understanding is that that game took a load of inspiration from some unused plot elements from a, either an early idea for a Back to the Future film or a sequel that never got past development, but like, they were definitely working with some ideas from the films there, and it's it's so in keeping with the spirit of the thing, and it's, it's a great little story, it's, it's not something that really feels like it justifies being a, a canon part of the franchise, if you know what I mean? But, I mean, you know, not not that it has to be the 40s or anything. Um, I think you just pick up with, you know, that train, flying train time machine, and now they can travel all around the world with it, and they can go and explore Mm. Victorian London or ancient Egypt and things like that. Uh, But I think the first film, because this is going to be part of a series, so first one I think you just go back to prehistoric dinosaur times, do something with that, standalone adventure in the past. Uh, maybe you can do one that goes to 2045 and does a real like non-stop future adventure. Oh yeah, if you go back to dinosaur times, I think you have to have a, a T-Rex motion captured played by Thomas F. Wilson, <laughs> <as> Biff's <laughs> earliest ancestor. Um, um, but I mean that that's essentially it. Just do an animated film. But then, as we were talking, I I was reminded that Robert Zemeckis got really obsessed with doing motion capture animation and animated films for the longest while uh, until Mm. they ceased being financially viable because they were all awful and no one liked them. Um, (laughs) On one hand, I think Robert Zemeckis would be really drawn to doing that. Uh, You could get him back. On the other hand, I don't think I'd want it to be motion capture. I think it'd be a lot nicer if it was just like embraced a bit of artistic design mm. and gave them some sort of caricatured looks and stuff
1: I think you've got to go to the 70s, everyone loves the 70s everyone has stupid hair and wears flares well, and stuff, huh.
3: it's classic yeah I guess so I, I yeah I guess it is quite distinctly different to the other periods and... yeah fair enough, 70s would work Alan what's yours?
1: well mine uh, actually touches on something you've just uh, mentioned so this will follow on nicely I want to imagine that uh, yeah, Back to the Future trilogy is done. A few years go by. They're not planning on making another one. And then, of course, um, Spielberg has his big hit with Jurassic Park '93. Mm. And he calls up he calls up Robert Zemeckis. He says, "Oh, Bobby, Big Bob, I've got um, I've got all this dinosaur gear." Bobby Z. <laughs> Bob, Bobby Z. Yeah. I've got all this dinosaur gear, software. We've got some fake dinosaur heads and stuff. I want to put them to use. Uh, what do you think? And so we get the Back to the Future slash Jurassic Park tie-in. Ah. It's essentially Back to the Future with dinosaurs, you know. Um, Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox, they, they can play their roles again. Um, and we can have a few years of past. They're a little bit older, so we can have them age naturally. Uh, now they've kind of developed the time travel stuff. They've got it a bit more slick so they're just hopping around time, they're time tourists, and they're a bit more careful about not getting involved. They just go and watch things and see things happen, try and stay away out of their own lifespans
3: and stuff like that so they're not affecting things. That's the point, actually. Is Clara going to be in... I guess she has to be in my one. Yeah, is she going to be in your one?
1: I haven't written her in. We can have a scene at the beginning where they
3: knock her out and leave her in a bin. <laughs> for no, for no <laughs> <reason>. <laughs> or could, can it just be like a Bond girl thing and we we just have Doc Brown and different... <laughs>
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Turns out he falls in love really easily. (laughs) It never lasts. (laughs) Um, So, okay, so uh, during a routine trip to 18th century France to pick up some cheap wine, uh, the time machine suffers uh, some kind of malfunction and they're accidentally sent back to dinosaur times. Now... Dinosaur times, of course, spans about three hundred million years. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Well, that doesn't matter, does it? It's a film; it doesn't matter. So they're just in dinosaur times,
3: and you can oh, just they're have all your cavemen there as well.
1: Yeah, 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 and they drive cars <laughs> with their feet. <laughs> um, uh, you have got all your big sticker dinosaurs there T-Rex, Velociraptor, uh, Triceratops, the ones that kids know basically. Um doesn't matter that they Long were never anywhere near but yeah. Uh Vegosaurus. Um <laughs> so they have a bit of adventure there, they're running away from the the dinosaurs and whatever. But the prime objective of the thing at that point is the dog. The dog has been like picked up by a pterodactyl or something like that, so they have to go and they have to go and rescue the dog. <laughs> So so that's that kind of bit. So that's your first little <laughs> act of adventure. So then they they sort that out. They get back in the time machine. They, they, um, they're heading off for home, but all the dinosaur action has um, got got them in a dinosaur-y kind of mood. So they decide on the way home, they'll just drop into 1959 uh, and go to the cinema to watch Journey to the Center of the Earth, uh, which is a film adaptation of a Jules Verne novel yeah. um, in which they encounter... Mm-hmm some dinosaurs as well as many other things. Uh, so obviously the doc kind of thinks, oh, I fancy watching that film. I haven't seen that for ages. So they drop into 1959. However, un- unbeknownst to our heroes, some- somewhere along the lines while they were running around, uh, a T-Rex uh, left some eggs in the, in the car. <laughs> and <laughs> and oh, now, God. while they're in the cinema, they hatch and jump out what, in the 50s in 1959. So uh, obviously the... Doc and Marty they get back in the they get back in the car they go back to their current lives which would be 1995 in this case so but when they land in 1995 and they like, it's like all chaos has broken out humans are living in tribal groups uh, and they're mainly occupied with protecting themselves from the t- Tyrannosaurus menace that plagues the city because for some reason not only did the dinosaurs flourish in 1960s America. <laughs> Probably because there's some sort of blast of radiation from the flux capacitor. It means they breed at a horrific rate, um, and so there's like loads, and loads of T, uh, t- Rexes that have taken. When him. they
3: first get into alternate eighties, can can you recreate the shot where Jaws the hologram eats him, but with a T Rex, and he's going ah? <laughs> Jurassic Park nineteen,
1: directed <laughs> by Max Spielberg. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, they, they don't have enough fuel just to get, get out of there and, uh, and ch- try and change things back. So they're kind of stuck there for a while. Uh, and they come across a, a there's a tribe like fighting a T-Rex. Uh, but because he has the scientific knowledge, you see, Doc Brown, he knows that the T-Rex's vision is based on movement. Uh, so they do, so basically they do a very high stakes version of that game where you have to sneak up on someone and every time they turn around, you have to stay perfectly still.
2: Oh, like, uh, oh, uh, what time is it, Mr. Wolf? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then yeah. you have
1: to sort every time they turn around, like, freeze. So they're doing that to, to Tyrannosaurus Rex uh, and they manage to get there. They tie some ropes around its legs. Uh, and, like, pull it down, and it's just laying there with its little arms arms flailing around. Uh, So the tribe that they've rescued, they welcome them in, uh, and uh, there's a bit of sort of fanning about, but then the doc realises that this tribe have just the thing to help them with their problem. A trebuchet. A trebuchet? Trebuchet. Trebuchet. T-R-E-B-U-C-H-E-T. What is that? Um it's one of those things where you fling someone or well you fling usually a rock or
3: some oh, other weapon, projectile weapon. Right, okay. Is it like what dog walkers have when they're making the dog's ball go really
1: <laughs> far? That's it, yeah, exactly. That that one, one of those attached to the ground. And this that's is a
3: fancy word for it.
1: <laughs> it's the the word
3: for it. Mm. let's call it catapult. Mm. Catapult with a bit of rope on it, that's the letter. <laughs> okay. Uh that's something they use as
1: a weapon because they've there's no technology and so they've got more more primitive weapons like that but doc brown realizes that he they can get the flux capacitor and a battery and sit in this trebuchet and then be launched uh, and get up to 88 miles an hour which i don't <laughs> think realistically you could but whatever <laughs> so so they're launched through the sky they hit the they button could if, or whatever if they
3: fall far enough i'm sure they'd get up to speed
1: yeah, so they do it off the edge of a cliff, because <laughs> there's, there's no such thing as terminal velocity.
3: No, I know, I know, but would would, would that cap out before 88 miles an hour? Maybe yeah. it would. Uh, anyway, so
1: they're launched. Yeah, I guess it would, wouldn't it? They fly through the sky, they activate the time machine, and they go back to 1959. Uh, so they find the car that was left by the other versions of themselves when they gone into the cinema... They find the eggs in the vehicle because they worked out what happened. They found the hatched eggs, uh, but they arrive just in time. The eggs are hatching. Little plucky little dinosaurs are peeping through, and so the only thing they can do is to find a nearby stick and then repeatedly smash the baby dinosaurs' to death uh,
3: <laughs> to make sure they
1: don't don't breed. <laughs> you have to think quickly sometimes. Um, so okay, they've they've sorted of the problem. Crisis averted. Uh, but now they're in a timeline with the previous version of themselves who are now on an alternate timeline and they realise they need to let their other selves go on unknowingly and they will never have this problem and therefore they would not exist. And so they just slowly fade away into nothingness. Hmm. That's the end.
3: Huh. <laughs> wow. There we go. <laughs> and do you have Thomas F. Wilson playing a T-Rex in yours? Yeah. Um, no. I think you should.
1: This would be in 95, though. We wouldn't have the motion capture, particularly.
3: I'd love to see a 1995 interpretation of <laughs> Thomas F. <Wilson's> a T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs>
1: he could be, like, the leader of the tribe that they come across. No. And at first he doesn't trust them, but then he learns that they are there to help. Mm.
2: Well, there you go, listeners. You voted for it. Hope it was worth the wait. I think it was. I, I thought that was a very good discussion that we
1: had. It's a good set of films. We didn't say they were shit when everyone else likes them, so hopefully we won't get too much uh, kickback from the listeners. It was
2: an astonishingly positive
1: show,
3: actually. Yeah, I was one. kind of... I was hoping that one of you was gonna be down on them or something.
1: Yeah. yeah. If there's anyone out there who doesn't like Back to the Future, then we'd be interested to have a discussion about it. Let's get your opinions. Come on the Facebook group. What is it? <laughs> Facebook.com forward slash diminishing returns. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> Is that not right?
3: You said forward smash, <laughs> smash. <laughs> you
1: said it. I'm, sh- I'm sure yeah, you just I, said I, forward I, smash. I, I thought I heard
2: it. I wasn't going to pick him up on it,
1: but uh, <laughs> oh, didn't. Yeah. It wasn't deliberate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where would, where do you want them to go, Calvin? uh dot That's but the Facebook group's better for general discussion, though, isn't it? I think they should go to all of them,
2: and I think okay. they should go to our iTunes uh, page as well, and subscribe if they haven't, and uh, rate uh, us positively if you yeah. already haven't.
3: You specifically, you listening now—that's who I'm talking about. Yes. You in the black shirt, <laughs> yeah, S- <laughs> Steve Johnson. <laughs> imagine if steve johnson is listening to the show
2: (laughs) and then kills himself because he thinks (laughs) we we trigger a psychiatric like (laughs) breakdown
3: (laughs) 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 no pipes
0: (laughs) great Scott! what a show but i promise you you'd see some serious shit at 88 minutes and here it comes are you ready huh? what did i tell you 88 minutes did you see that quite spectacular all that remains is for me to correct the boys on something they mentioned in the show the terminal velocity of a human being is well over 88 miles per hour and of course it is one way of reaching the velocity required to escape the clutches of the space time continuum! It's got me out of a lot of scrapes. The trick is being able to free fall for long enough to reach full speed! Well, oh, that's it! Thanks for listening, and come back next week for even more! See you in the future!